Welcome to the Whatnot Podcast, where we put the what into whatnot live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Good evening. It's Wednesday at 9 p.m. I'm Mike Z. I am still Chris, as far as I know. And our guest today is a Mr. Kyle Ely. You like that? How'd you pronounce that, Mike? Ely. Okay. From uh, LearnYourCNC.com. Sorry, this entire time, 14 episodes, 14.2 episodes into it. I've been saying his name wrong, so I was informed I all the time. I loved it. I was like, oh, well, then I'm just going to make fun of that everywhere. All the posts, everything, <laughs> basically the fact that I've gotten that wrong. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. This is the Whatnot Podcast. And tonight we are going to be talking about what you need to know before you get into CNC. Yeah, so we decided, since that's what we're going to be talking about, we thought we'd bring Mr. CNC himself on board, and uh, we recruited his knowledge, and uh, so we're going to take advantage of him tonight, I guess. That's the way we'll put it, and whatnot. So in case you don't know, Kyle um, has created this website. It is called LearnYourCNC.com, and what they have that he's put together is a master course about Vetric. And it comes in two packages. So I'll let him do all the explaining and everything about that. But basically there, if you are interested in getting into learning Vetric, which is this, this whole thing's not sponsored by Vetric in any way, right? No. Okay. So it's just a software that you picked up, you learned, you enjoyed it, and then you decided, hey, I want to show other people how to use it. So yeah. cool. And so we'll kind of get into that a little bit. And there's John. Good evening, John. Thank you for joining us. All right. And we're sure it's John. Oh, here we go. Here's Johnny. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Always good to know who's joining the crowd there. Absolutely. So you I'm going to pretty much let you guys drive this one, and I'll just ask the questions from the newbie side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know C&C is one of those topics that uh, that a lot of times people get intimidated by it, or they just completely shut it out as not an option in their woodworking, or they may even consider CNC not real woodworking at all. And so, you know, if you're one of those, just hang on. This happens from time to time. Uh-oh. We lost. Yep. He's in deep thought at the moment. <laughs> Listen in and you might change your buffering. Oh, there we go. We're back. Hey, right. so whatever you just said was the most important three, maybe 13 seconds of your life. We apologize. We missed it. And, and that's about all we have to say on the topic. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, CNC is a lot of fun. I, I had the privilege uh, when I worked for a company that we sold uh, router bits and CNC bits. And when I came on board, they were still trying to figure out how to market them. Well, their particular clientele was 100% industrial. So that they weren't your, you know, small hobby guy and stuff like that. So one of my main jobs was to try to get some of those CNC bits marketed. So I got to the privilege of working with a lot of commercial and industrial CNC people. And I'll tell you, some of those operators, I learned a lot. And it just really just created a fire. And I knew one day I would have a CNC. Little did I know it was as soon as it was. But uh, so that's really how what got me really interested in the CNC was just being around all those operators and seeing all those things that they were making and not just, you know, cutting sheets of plywood to size or anything like that, but just other things they were creating. And so 
that's kind of what led me down the, the path to get into CNC. What about you, Kyle? Well, basically, uh, I was always in technology because I grew up in like, well, all the computers were coming in. And then uh, middle school, about what, eighth grade, I think, took a woodshop class. And then I was hooked on making stuff out of wood. My grandfather shot me, said, oh, I, I make stuff out of wood too. So he showed me a lot of stuff and then uh, kind of just combined them to the technology and the wood. I was 16 and found out about TNC machines and found out uh, online a place that you can build one yourself. So I'm like, oh, try this out. I build, built a whole CNC by myself in my bedroom. Nice. <laughs> so that was a fun experience. So I was buying uh, tools to build it as, as I was going and then built it. And then as soon as I built it, I'm like, okay, now what? I don't even know how to run this thing. <laughs> I just wanted to, or I just wanted to have one. Just didn't think about it, how to use it. So I figured I'll just figure it out as I go. So that was the hard part, learning how to use it. Because back then there wasn't that many places to find uh, uh, like uh, videos and stuff how to how to use them. So basically, I just learned it as I went along. wasn't the best at it, but got better. And then later on, um, more uh, like the X Carve came popular when uh, like companies like that started making hobby machines a little bit more affordable. So I bought one of those uh, on a pre-order, try one of those out, and then uh, got that and got more into it then. I found a couple of people that I would make a lot of signs for, and then all of a sudden I was getting way too many sign requests, and I was using the free easel software that the X-Carve came with, and it just wasn't, wasn't holding up for me. So that's when I upgraded to Vetric, and realize how much potential that has and then i started learning that as i went along was okay with it wasn't the wasn't the best at it then I ended up getting a cnc job so i was running industrial size machines and i i just had a just beginner's knowledge when i started that job and quickly grew and learned as i went along and uh I used uh, AutoCAD there, and then I told them about Vetric, and they said, oh, it'd be interesting to try it out. So I brought my Vetric software to try it out there, and that's where I really learned Vetric because I had a lot of time to spend on it every day. And then that's when I really took off with Vetric and got really good at it. And then I just started helping people on the Facebook groups and just grew from there. Cool. That's awesome. So there was a video that you had where you were doing like a vacuum holding a 250 pound door. It looked like. Yeah. So is that, is that the day job? That's the current day day job. Yep. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Cause when I saw that, I thought, man, this is really industrial. I can't, for some reason, I couldn't imagine that this was at your house. No, definitely not. What was it? A 30 year old machine? No, how old was that machine? 30 years? Yep. Like, okay, never mind. This must be the day job, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, since he started when he was 16 and now he's 19. I mean, he's only been in the CNC <laughs> three years. 27. 
grown quite a bit. When you said middle school, I'm thinking to myself, man, what, what day are we talking about here? Because really, when did CNC for the home users start to take off? What about what? I would say probably like 2014, 20, somewhere, somewhere in that area. Okay. But that was like first beginner. I think the X card was one of the bigger, uh, more known, smaller machines that came out that was affordable. And uh, they started giving them away to content creators, and that's where they really became popular. Because I remember seeing those in like 2016, and they had Inventables was like a website where people would have files that they would upload for it and kind of support it in a way. Yeah, Inventables uh, is the one that makes the X-Carve. Okay, uh, that's why I saw it. That's why I'm putting it all together. See, like I said, I have zero clue about this. I have little bits and pieces. <laughs> that's about it. He's just missing the corners of the puzzle. That's okay. I don't worry about the chamfered corners. <laughs> this is about CNC. We're not going down that talk. <laughs> well, we do have to ask that question, though. Let's see what Kyle, are you team chamfer or team roundover? I think we uh, established this. Yes. Yeah, he's he's chamfer, so way to just rub that dirt in my face. I appreciate that. But I do appreciate a roundover. Yes, he is appreciation for I got a project tomorrow I'm going to be putting a roundover on, just so you know. So you're a hypocrite. I see. <laughs> He's got to make money too. This is a child's toy. I got to keep it smooth on the oh, corners. All right. Well, for my day job, I ended up getting recruited because I, you know, hadn't personally had a ton of experience, you know, on CNC. But for my day job of what, three, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. um, I kind of took over the role of kind of team rolling the cnc program at work and so we you know we carry a few different brands and so i really for me to be able to learn them better and not just learn how to use them but to be able to talk about them especially the brands that we carried you know i started playing with them and and took was uh, able to convince my boss man at the time and i don't know if he regrets it yet or not but each of the brands I was bringing them home for a month and they just spent a month just diving into them, you know, and, and at the time I didn't own one. So I was utilizing the crap out of these things. I bet, I bet, you know, I was out there in, in, in my shop at night working. I don't know. What would you say, Mike, 30, 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, and so at night I was at, at late, late at night, like midnight to two, I was doing design and, when I'd get home from work from 5.30 to, you know, 11.30, I was in my shop actually running CNC. So I was diving in head first on both the software and the and the machines. But um, so, and I've, I've helped other people who've had some of the X-Carves and the Shapokos and some of the smaller machines. And so it's really interesting to be able to, to see the difference between all of the machines that are available both not only the size they cut and that's typically the first thing people want to know is well i want that one because it'll cut this size but in reality that's that's one of the topics that really ought to be looked at probably third or fourth down on the list uh and so it helped me to understand kind of what sort of went into the cnc and and especially for that entry-level market when you start getting into the industrial machines you know, those true four by eights and, and larger, you know, none of us out of the gate are going to be a Izzy Swan with a, you know, 24 foot CNC <laughs> two, two gantry system. I mean, 
if you are, then I want your budget. <laughs> but so, so tonight we kind of want to just talk about what the average Joe who has either zero experience or has a little bit of experience, but really wants to get more in depth to get into the CNC on their own. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Some of the things that, that might be important to you to look at, uh, maybe some things you haven't thought about. And of course, while you're watching this, or if you're watching this after the fact, if you got questions, you know, drop them in the comments and we'll be more than happy to answer them. And so, you know, hopefully this will kind of be of a back and forth dialogue, but uh, between Kyle's, you know, industrial side as well as his professional <laughs> side. Tony, you get used to it. It's okay. About the, but I think this is video oh, oh, sorry. Now he's back. Oh, welcome. You, we talking, you, I lost you too. Was it me or you? It was you because we were talking about Team Chamfer while you were gone. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, who won? Oh, we can't tell you. Oh, okay. Um, so, so that's kind of what we want to talk about tonight is what the beginner would look for in a CNC and some of the, some of the things that uh, you might want to consider when getting into it. Now, just so you have a little more background on Kyle, just so he's not just some Joe Schmo who learned software and kind of just does it on the side. You just made a pretty important list this year, didn't you? In, when it comes to Vectric? Oh, the, uh, talk about the, for my blog? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on the top 10 CNC blogs of uh, 2021. Well, congrats. Thank you. That's yeah, awesome. so, so you're not dealing with just some guy who, you know, thinks he knows. He knows. So uh, let's kind of get in on some of the, one of the main things that, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think I've got a gnat or something that's just absolutely driving me nuts. So if you catch me clapping, it's not for myself. That gnat's on Team Chamfer. Probably. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always on the outskirts. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know about you, Kyle, when you're talking to some of your students about CNC, you know, one of the, when I'm talking to customers, one of the first things I, I lead before I start talking about machines and budget and sizes is, is I, I try to get into to their head about what kind of projects they want to do or what do they want to use the CNC for? And that's one of my top questions. And I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on that would be. Yeah, exactly. That's just like, when I made it, my first main, uh, CNC, I had no idea what I wanted to cut. I just wanted to cut stuff. So you either, you just want it for fun, or if you want to start a business or something, you really got to keep that into consideration as far as constraints and stuff with whatever machine you pick. Yeah, and it's real easy to get, get caught up in, in marketing and, and uh, social media and people you see you know, using these things. But like Kyle said, you know, there, there were companies that were giving these things away, you know, by the, by the dozens, um, early on. And that's the bulk of the reason why you see some of these flooded in the market. And now you see a lot of them kind of moving on to little bigger machines and a little more power, a little more capacity, a little better quality builds and things like that. Got a question here. It's, uh, Louise says, I'm going to buy a wood four inch by eight inch, maybe four by eight. Uh, Green Bowl V2 from Build Your CNC. Did you know this model? That's actually the company that I first got my plans from when I built my first ma machine. Was, was Green Bowl? No, the, the Build Your CNC. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. So they do make a uh, good quality. They're basically, they sell the plans. 
they don't sell the actual machine. Uh, sometimes they sell the kits. You just put the kits together, but they're all they're all wood machines, so they're not like something you can push really fast or anything. But they are good quality. But they're basically, I would say, beginner to intermediate. But I wouldn't go uh, like uh, too much production work on one of those. Just kind of like a bobs. Yeah, exactly. Great for beginners and uh, just if you want to use it as a hobby or just to make some uh, things to sell. So kind of like smaller signs, maybe smaller trays. Uh, yeah. Okay. And that one's four by eight, so you, you can cut cheap goods with that. Uh, but like I said, you can't push it like super fast being, uh, being all wood. Okay. It's a lot of Baltic birch goes into a CNC. I've kind of browsed some of those Bob CNC and just was amazed at just, it's like, okay, that's a lot of plywood. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask this, with the rising price of wood, would metal be, it, would it be kind of comparable now to, to buy one that's metal for faster pushing on the beginner? Or is it still kind of a cool factor to build your own out of wood? I don't know. I think the metal kind of, still went up as well with the wood. I don't know exactly how much metals went up, but um, okay. the, the wood one is more like uh, you have fun building it, more of like an experience. And you could say, I built that. Whereas you buy one already made, it's just another tool. You know? It's an erector set. Yeah. It's yeah. like a big boy tinker toy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the, the the way I think, you know, when you're talking about what kind of projects, I mean, like you said, are you looking to do production cutting of sheet goods or are you wanting to get into very intricate 3D modeling and 3D parts? Are you wanting to have a good blend of both? Um, are you, you want to do signs that are, you know, eight feet long? So there's a lot of things you got to think about when you're dealing with a CNC. And if you do have the need, even if you're looking to get into this in, as a hot, from a hobby perspective, you got to look at your project type before you start getting into the CNC side, because that really will drive really which direction you, you need to look. Because if you're wanting to do huge outdoor signs, there's really no need in looking at a, you know, a Shark SD120 or 110 that's, you know, 12 by 12. It's not going to serve your purpose. So, you know, just some of those thoughts like that, you really got to drive into that before, um, before you start researching which machine is going to be right for you. This is any actually other, Sorry. Does this have any other thoughts on that? So for uh, Rich French says that for production work, intermediate aluminum frame kit that you can build yourself, look at the Avid line. That's one of the ones that uh, Easy Swan did have. Yeah, uh, that's prior. the one he has now, right? Yeah, no, he, he has. He sold that off to uh, Nick over at Stated Woods. He's a, another North Carolina guy. And then he got, I don't remember what he got now, but he's got something else. But that, uh, that was a Phantom. pretty. Uh, Phantom. Is it Phantom? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was, okay. it was a pretty it was nice good. setup on that Avid. Like, I really like the gantry. Um, the entire build quality of it in general is pretty cool. And uh, hi, I want to say hi, Rick, by the way. Rick's in my course. And uh, so is Kevin. Smart guys. <laughs> Yes, they are. Which, by the way, I've, uh, I'm up to chapter four in your master course. So nice. taking my time and, you know, taking yeah. the test. and Good thing about it. You take it at your own pace. Yep. 
So, so when once you kind of have an idea of what kind of projects you want to do, then then you can start leaning into, okay, what kind of machine, what type of machine is going to be best for me? And when you start looking at that, there's a lot of a lot of options. Uh, we've already been talking about some of these build your own kits, whether it be a, from wood or from metal, aluminum. Um, so the, that question leads to, do you want to build your own? It's going to be more economical, but you're going to have a ton of labor built into it leading up to that. Now, there are some advantages of building your own, whether it's out of wood or out of aluminum, and that is you truly know your machine before you ever turn it on. Yeah, exactly. You're very intimate with wiring, and you're in, and you understand, you know, the structural uh, integrity of the machine and and how to set it up and get everything accurate. So there, there's a lot of details that you you got to be comfortable with. You have to feel confident in your mechanical skills to be able to want to start in with a machine that you build or you assemble. Sometimes you know more about it than you want to. <laughs> well, and that's and that's kind of where. You know, some people really have no interest. They just want to buy a machine, maybe assemble a couple of parts just to get it up and running, and they just they just want a sort of a turnkey operation. And that's kind of when you would lean to um, other entry-level machines that are out there. Um, you know, the X-Carve, the Shapoko, those are two that, that come to mind that, that are on the very lower end of the price point spectrum. Then you start getting into, like, the Next Waves, um, Axiom, Digital Woodcarver, you know, those are sort of three brands that are really popular for that smaller entry-level market that I can think of. The one that I see that's growing really quick right now is uh, Onefinity. Mm -hmm. They seem to be a really good machine. Seem to be uh, pretty sturdy because they have uh, those big posts, and then they also have easy setup and has the ball the ball screw driven, which is way better than the belt. Yep. So that seems like a pretty good machine. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the topics, that, the subtopics that I was going to hint on is some of the manufacturing that goes into these these uh, entry-level machines. You know, we have, is it a ball screw or is it a belt or is it rack and pinion? I mean, what's what, what drives the, the system there? So, so as someone who doesn't know about it, but I've heard these terms, what is going to be important for me moving forward as far as maintenance goes out of those? different types of systems. Like I'm someone who likes to get out in the shop, put the software in, run it, and then not have to really worry so much about, you know, hey, is that greased up, that kind of stuff. Well, as a, as a owner of a belt-driven machine, I could tell you they're not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you, have, you have belts that go loose. You have belts that can break mid-carve. Mid you have uh, pulleys you got to adjust. It's a lot of work to keep it, uh, maintained properly. Okay. Also, if the belts stretch over time and you don't notice, your size of your parts will be different than what you're actually trying to carve. So okay. there's a lot of maintenance with the belt-driven system. And then probably the next tier up would be the rack and pinion. So rack and pinion's really quick, but it's really noisy and there's a little bit of play in the system because you have a gear and a and a uh, rack and pinion going together, you need to have it a little bit loose to be able to move. If it was a real tight system, it would be, get bound up. So okay. there is a little bit of a play with that. And then probably the highest um, end of the spectrum there would be the ball-driven. 
that's basically a ball screw with a threaded um, rod that would spin, and then your machine would move on that threaded uh, ball screw. And that mm -hmm. would be the probably, I wouldn't say the quickest because rack and pinion can be pretty quick, but it is quick and reliable. So it's like one of the top end, but of course it's going to be the most expensive. But on the maintenance side of it, there's just a little bit of grease, clean out the dust, blow it out every once in a while and you're good to yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Rack and pinion and the ball screw. There's not like a whole lot of maintenance uh, for those systems. Okay. But like I, like you said, blow out the dust and maybe grease every once in a while or something. Yeah. M most of those, the, the bearings need to be greased like 300, 400, 500 hours. The, um, the the screw needs to be lubricated quite frequently because I mean you are metal on metal as that that thread is spinning around but still that that's a very minimal maintenance consideration when you look at everything else and you know when you're talking about the the ball screw setups there's even quality differences between different manufacturers on those they're most all of them are going to be registered in metric but You'll have some with a, a really small screw, I mean, almost a quarter of an inch. Then you'll have some that have a larger screw that are almost, you know, three quarters, seven eighths. So the size of that, that screw makes a world of difference when you're looking at the, the repeatability, the accuracy, and the overall quality of the results you'll get. Yeah, not only that, there's different thread types as well, mm -hmm. which make a big difference. You have the, uh, of course, you have a regular thread, like a nut and bolt, which would be the worst uh, type of thread for a CNC. And then you next step up from that, you have like an Acme thread, which is thread similar to like a F clamp, F style clamp. And then up from that, you would have the actual ball screw, which is like a cove going spiral around the rod, which would be the thread. And then the part that would be the considered the nut actually has the ball bearings in it that ride inside that groove. And that would be the smoothest system there. But of course, there's also different thread types of that as well. Yeah. So as a beginner, someone who's looking at getting into CNC, you know, I want to do the, you know, ball screw is going to tell me for myself that I'm going to have to not have to worry so much. Like if I want a turnkey system, then I'm going to want to look at something like a ball screw, right? If I want to be more mechanically jumping into it, putting it together, then a rack and pinion would be a good option or belt driven would be a good option because then I'm, I'm uh, invested into the construction of the machine. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah even uh, the, uh, the rack and pinion isn't so much like a bad system, but it's more like uh, if you're on a budget, but you still want a nice quality machine. It's kind of right in the middle between. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, of any manufacturers that offer what would be considered an entry level machine that uses rack and pinion. I know Shop Saber uses that on a couple of their their lower end models. Yeah. But even those are. The, all the Avids are rack and pinion. Okay. All right. Uh, most so. of the most of the Z axis are uh, ball screw, uh, ball screw, but mainly the X and Y, the larger axis or uh, rack and pinion on those. Yeah, and, and that's a huge selling point too. I mean, especially the Z, because it's constantly moving up and down. 
And so you, you really want to make sure there's something there that's that's good and stable. And, and the quality of the bearings that the manufacturer uses makes a world of difference too. Yeah. And I guess if we're going to put a label on it, I would say true entry level would be less than 10000 but you can cut that in half in most cases and still come out with a decent machine. So, I mean, I know there are some very good machines out there for beginners that are in that 4000 range. Yeah, I would say beginners, some of the top machines would be the Onefinity, the CNC for newbies, and I, I wouldn't recommend the X-Carve as much because of the belt-driven system. I mean, it's good if you're on a budget, but you can get the ball screw driven like the Onefinity for around the same price. So I would say that would be a little bit more superior. Yeah, I, I know I had a friend that uh, that, that had a Shapoko, and he, he did the complete upgrade to everything with the ball screw and just had all kinds of problems out of it. So I I know there's a lot of Shapoko and, and X-Carve lovers out there, and if you're one of those, we're not bashing that company at all. We're just offering recommendations on, you know, slightly better alternatives for not yeah. much more money. And I think, was it uh, Myers Woodshop really put Onefinity on the map uh, with with some of the stuff he was doing? I think he was one of the first people that I remember seeing that really stepped away from, I think he had, what was it, an X-Carver, Shapoko, or both? I think, I think he had both at one point, yeah. And I think he was one of the first ones that really, who had a huge following that stepped out and dropped yeah, and in for I, the I one see a, a two moose design mm-hmm. switching right now from X-Carve to Onefinity. But of yeah. course, I, I think those are sponsored machine. well, not sponsored, but like uh, sponsored by uh, Onefinity. Yeah, they've partnered with those yeah, yeah. creators to, to be able to get that. Speaking of which, that that's a great lead into what we talked about the past two weeks is partnering yeah. with yeah. manufacturers. See, you, we knew we'd bring it back around full circle. <laughs> you did it, the episodes in that order, too, just for that, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. we planned it 100%. And then while we're here, uh, if you like what you see, please, by all means, join us on our Patreon at Whatnot Podcast so you can help support what we're doing. And uh, buy Chris a new hat. What, you don't like my hat? No, you just need a new hat. Oh, yeah, I could use a new hat. And so there's a lot of options out there. There's not a lack of of anything. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's one machine I would say, oh, yeah, as a beginner, you got to get this one. And I would say that to every single person, you know. And and there are some downfalls with some of those entry-level machines. Um the one that comes to my mind is is power you know they they're all going to be running on a, either a smaller spindle uh you may be limited to using quarter inch shank only quarter inch shank bits only and if that's a concern something to consider yep as a matter of fact that that was one of the driving points for me upgrading from my shark hd that i had to the axiom pro that i ended up with was i really needed something to get rid of that router because that router noise if you've never which is kind of another talking point router versus spindle if you've never heard a router sound i would encourage you to go find one and turn it on before you make that decision yeah 
Big difference. Uh, otherwise, invest in really good safety earmuffs. Isotunes is a great alternative. Yeah, Isotunes are a great alternative. Not sponsored, but yeah, we 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 love our Isotunes. I was actually going to ask that question because I know there's two options out there. And with tools being hard to get right now, routers especially, would it almost make sense for someone to look at upgrading to the spindle for the long haul? It's definitely a better option, regardless of whether it's air-cooled or water-cooled. It doesn't matter. They both offer a much better option compared to a router. Uh, a router is not designed for a CNC. A spindle is. A router is not designed to be used, you know, eight hours a day. Not saying it can't be, but it's not designed for that. Mm -hmm. A spindle, air cooled or water, it doesn't matter, has no problems running at longer periods of time. It keeps it's designed to stay cool under a lot of use. Kevin uh, just said that the router noise used to bother me before I lost my hearing. That might be why you lost your hearing, Kevin. No kidding. I remember doing a lot of routing and just your ears would start to fuzz. And then all of a sudden, like it got a lot quieter. And you're like, oh, okay, good. Now I'm used to it. And now realize years later, that was not a good idea. Well, I mean, as a woodworker, I'm used to having the router under the table or in my hands, you know, at waist height, you know, passing by, you know, making grooves or molding. It's quite a different sound when it's up by your face on a CNC. It, it's like, okay, that I don't ever remember it being that loud before. Especially for hours at a time. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, because it never ends. It just keeps going. And, and most people complain about how loud dust collectors are. Dust collectors don't hold a candle to how loud routers are. Especially a router with a bad bearing. Another now, thing, you got to... We replace the brushes every now and again in a mm -hmm. router with brushes. And that can, that's another potential factor of something happening mid carve of your, uh, if your brushes are wearing out, you start a carve and then something happens and then you lose that carve you're just doing. Well, and, and another consideration we've talked about quality. I mean, you, 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 someone mentioned you get what you pay for. And that's true. I mean, with a router, the spindle on a router is going to have a little bit of deflection to it, regardless of how good a router it is. I don't care that you Festool lovers can say, well, my Festool doesn't. All routers have a little bit of deflection in the, in the spindle part. Spindles do not have that problem, generally. Plus, another thing with spindles is you can make the RPMs lower, which opens up to a lot more options when you're using your CNC, like drill bits. If you want to drill a hole, most routers cannot go slow enough to spin a drill bit to uh, drill a hole. So you got more capabilities for a spindle than you would a router. Yeah. Plus you can, you can pro well, yeah, you can program the spindle, right? It's part yeah. of the controller. For the router, yeah. you have to go change the speed. If it's a set speed amount, you have to go change it. Yeah, you some... in the controller, right? Yeah, some machines have that option. Well, most... Bigger machines uh, have that option. You can change the speed right in your uh, settings in Vetric or whatever software you use. Well, and you know, that's, that's an interesting kind of topic too, is when you start talking about speed, most of your, say, two and a quarter horse routers that you would find in some of your larger entry-level machines, those routers, the lowest speed you can typically get on those is about eight to 10,000. 
when you start talking about the really small entry-level machines that operate off of a palm router, like a, a laminate trimmer style router, those routers actually have such a high top speed, usually they're right around 30, 30, 35,000 RPM. Those you can't get much lower than, was it 18? Mm-hmm. I think mine's at 16. Okay, DeWalt, six, DeWalt. Yeah, so 16 to 35,000. 16,000 is not slow enough to eat to use a lot of bits that you're going to need. Now, you might be thinking, well, all I'm going to be doing is cutting, you know, plywood or whatever. You might get to a place where you need to surface a spoil board. Well, that drastically limits your options in, in spoil board bits because some of the, you know, one and a half inch diameters and some of the one and a quarters that are, that are available in a quarter inch shank, you will not be spinning those at 16,000 RPM in yeah. a little trim router. You just, you just don't think about it. So there's a lot to consider when you start getting into router versus spindle and then horsepower of those routers versus the and spindles. Speaking of that, a guy I work with actually, it was a three quarter inch shank uh, surfacing bit. And he actually had it run, spinning so fast that it broke the three quarter inch shank and shot it across the room and almost hit a guy. It was, it was bad. And that was a three quarter inch shank. So that mm-hmm. tells you how important uh, uh, the proper spindle speed is. Yeah. And that's a whole nother world there. Yeah. Rick had said that the uh, less ability to adjust speed on the fly with a router with his spindle, a Mach and Mach 4, uh, he starts his speeds conservatively and then bumps up till he gets good chips without chatter. Yeah. And then Kevin's got a really good question here because this is one I was going to ask. What should we be looking for in an air-cooled spindle? I would say the one thing I would suggest is look for one that, that like most spindles will be, they'll be evacuating that air out of the top, not out of the bottom. Most routers will um, ev- evacuate air out of the bottom, and uh, so it doesn't al- it doesn't enable it to generate enough cold air to keep those routers running cool. But most spindles will evacuate air out of the top. But the key I would think of most is going to be the the horsepower. Horsepower, another important thing, is pretty obvious. But make sure it fits your machine because they make all different shapes and sizes. Yep. Okay, so something that can actually bolt to your gantry. Yeah, they they usually sell them by the millimeter, so they'll have like a seventy millimeter. It's the diameter of the of the spindle itself. Yeah, the body. So that lets you know what it will mount to, and then they have square bodies, they have round bodies, all different all different sizes. Yeah, for you woodworkers, that's like trying to fit a, a router motor into a router lift, and being frustrated because. Most router lifts were created for Porter Cable 7518s, and now they've they no longer exist. <laughs> they, they've pretty much uh, abandoned you. You're now left with uh, Portamate. <laughs> yeah, you're now left with who pretty much was making them in the first place for a while from China. Yeah, that's that's a that's a sad story to be told one day. Not today, but yeah, Porter Cable routers they they were the workhorse yeah. 90s and 2000s for all of woodworking. Yep. And yeah, John, no matter what CNC you have, you have to retrim those from time to time. It's just a general part of maintenance that uh, you just kind of learn to to work with. I, I actually found a really good tramming tool. I had made my first one, but I found a really good one from Stupid Simple Tools. It was inexpensive enough that I felt like I could justify it, and it um, it's got a 
uh, half a thousandth resolution. So you can easily manipulate that. And it come, it's, uh, it's got a half or a quarter inch shank. And then it comes out and there's three slots for those indicators. And the furthest one out is six inches. So it'll give you a six inch diameter essentially. And that's a very accurate and very good and easy tool to use. I love mine. Reminds me, I got to get that back from our new IT guy. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. So, um, okay. So anything else? Let's see. We talked about the travel of the gantry, the best ways, the different ways. The different machines that you could use, a spindle or a router to actually route. What about the bits themselves? Well, there's still a lot to discuss on the machines. Well, well, we can talk about bits if you want to. Well, what else we got? I mean, I know that, there, okay, so there is actually, I'm sorry, you're right. The beds, spool boards, you know, the way they're constructed. What am I going to look for as someone who's, who's starting out? in the bed? Like what should I be looking for in the build quality of the frame itself? I would say a steel frame as a, as a plus for the base. Yeah. Uh, if it has a base, some machines are just tabletop. And then next step, step down from that would be aluminum. And then after that, you're basically into wood, but I would say steel, if you can get it, aluminum, if you're on a budget. Um, and then you also have to be uh, mindful of the size of the machine. How big do you want to cut? Also, the Z-travel, how much thickness do you want to cut? And how much room do you need under the gantry to clear? If you're only cutting three-quarter inch material, then you don't need that much Z-height. But if you're cutting big 3D sculptures or something, then you're going to need a lot of Z-clearance. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, but yeah. as far as the spoil board, most of them are just a frame and you apply, you apply your own like MDF or phenolic, or if you have a vacuum table, that's a whole nother topic there. Do you think a beginner needs a, a vacuum table or do you think just clamp down? Yeah. For a beginner, board? I would say no vacuum table. That's a big price tag for a beginner, unless you got the budget and you think you'll grow into it. Otherwise I would say, uh, clamps or whatever kind of hold down methods you, uh, you prefer. Yeah. Unless you're going to get into, you know, for a fact, your main project material is going to be acrylics and plastics. The vacuum table is not needed. Um, and you can, if it's a small machine, you, there's a lot of, um, templates and jigs and plans on the market of how to build your own little vacuum table because the smaller machines, it doesn't require a huge vacuum pump. You can use something as simple as a, you know, shop vac. Uh, if you decide to do that, you want to make sure that it is, in fact, a wet dry vac. Um, otherwise, just a standard shop vac won't work because there's no outlet for that exhaust. Uh, but a wet dry vac typically has a bypass, so it can bypass that motor and still exhaust out the way it's supposed to. So, um, yeah, I see I feel, on on tools today that um, Stepcraft that they use, it mm -hmm. seems to be. Uh, like a shop vac type of vacuum. It's a fine vac. Fine and fine yeah, and okay, Festool yep. make really good vacs for that type of setup because they they they're German engineered and they over engineer everything. So they've done really good job on making sure that those vacs have an, have exhaust regardless of whether it's on the pull in or the push outside. 
So. Yeah. Yeah, and then they also have bypasses on it to where if you clog it, it'll still mm-hmm. it won't ruin the motor. <clears throat> very and, well. And speaking of motors, that's kind of another thing is you know you won't find this in many of the in, hardly any of the entry level, but servo motor versus stepper motor, and there's different grades or quality levels, power levels of of steppers. Um, I know my first Axiom had 24-watt steppers, and they had an upgrade program, and they upgraded them from 24 to 48. That was a drastic difference in in power and torque that was available. And so, you know, uh, stepper motors are, are good. You just got to be sure the the quality and the torque level and the power level of those stepper motors is set properly. Yeah, and servos, uh, like steppers, are just motors that spin. They just have one incoming uh, signal just to tell it to move. The servos have an incoming and outgoing signal letting you know it's moving and the location where it's at. So it always knows where it's at. So let's say if you're machining something and your machine bumps into something, uh, the servo motors are going to know instantly something's wrong, let's stop. The steppers, however, it's just going to skip your machine and probably uh, move it or do some kind of damage and just try to keep going. So if you're not right there to stop it, you can do some serious damage with that. And I have. (laughs) (laughs) I can say I have too. (laughs) That's good to know. I didn't know that there was a big difference when it came down to the in and out input and output of that. Yeah, and, and the reason why they're called stepper motors is because there's a pulse that sends and it and it just twitches ever so slightly and it it creates what's called a step. And so um lots of little pulses are going to tell it when to move up or down or back and forth and so the if you like he said if you do something crazy and you you hit something hard your your motor's going to continue to turn and that's going to instantly throw throw you off where you are in your your project g code or the the tool path that you've chosen it, it can throw you off pretty bad so let me ask this there was a machine that you and i chris were were looking at and the z topped out and then it just kept bouncing was that a stepper it was okay so a servo would have told it that it's reached its peak to stop bouncing where the other one just kept bouncing like it was trying to go higher partially uh the the real key component to that is some of the cheaper entry-level machines don't have proximity sensors sensors and a proximity sensor is essentially just a little it's a little clip that you put at a certain point on the gantry and then there's a, a similar piece on the back of the motor and when the two come in contact there's a there's a something that breaks that creates a little magnetic whatever you want to call that. Anyway, that tells it, okay, you can't go any further, and it automatically stops it. Some of the the lesser expensive machines do not have proximity sensors, and that creates all kinds of other issues um, in regards to some of the frustration beginners run into, like being able to properly home and have a consistent starting point location on your machine. There, I know I, the X-Carve has the homing switches, so you can home your machine 
that's basically a switch at your zero position on all three axes, but it doesn't have a switch at the furthest most point it can go, but it does have soft limits. So soft limits is in your controller software, letting the machine know if you go past this point, you're not going to be able to go any further. So stop when you reach that point. But like we mentioned earlier with the steppers, if it bumps into something and loses its position, it's just going to keep going if it reaches your soft limits and doesn't know where it's at. Yeah, so, yeah, does, do, do, do you have that concern? And yes, there are some manufacturers that don't offer that, and you kind of get close to the border, and you wait till you hear that, you know, that couple of clicks in a row. Okay, I'm, I've reached where I need to stop. But there's, there's ways you can kind of manipulate that and get, get an understanding of, of where that, that is when you're laying out your parts. Uh, Rick asks, interested in your thoughts on the NEMA 23s versus the NEMA 34s. Am I saying that right? Yeah. I'm going to start asking from now on. <laughs> I'm no yeah. expert, Adam, but uh, I know generally the bigger ones are better, but like I said, I'm no, I'm no expert on them. Chris, do you have any thoughts on those? I mean, I, I've looked at that whenever I was looking at, uh, at, at buying an Avid. And obviously the NEMA 34s are a little more expensive. They're an upgrade. So that beyond the understanding of knowing that it's an upgrade, that tells me that the 34s are better. Um, beyond that, I, I couldn't, couldn't give you much educated information on it. Well, thank you, Rick. Appreciate that question. Yeah, way to throw us under the bus, Rick. <laughs> He's over there Googling right now. Hard CNC questions. Yeah. So I'm thinking now, as a beginner, uh, I want the ball screw. I want to know that there's proximity sensors because I really just want a turnkey outfit. And I'm not really leading this anywhere, but I'm just throwing these things out there to where at the end, I, you guys can say, okay, these would be a good three options for you. So I'm not going to say a price because I'm doing this hypothetically, but I want, so, I want a machine for me and how my personality is. That's what I like about CNC is that really they, there's so many differences out there. Where do you start? I think it really depends on yourself as a person and what you need to look for in a CNC, knowing how you are and your personality in the shop. Well, it's, it's, if you, and I know you're like me, you're kind of a, you're more of a car guy than I am, but you've probably gone out and built a new car just for fun, just to see how much a new car would cost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I do that with CNCs. I'll go me out too. to Shop Saber and check <laughs> out too. what that would be. I'll go to Avid and see what that would be. And, you know, when you, when you start looking at these kits that, that offer a lot of upgrade accessories, that price tag goes way up. You know, I, I was just on Sawstop's website the other night and built my dream saw. Two. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's the way it is. You, you, you look at the final tally and you are going to have to tell yourself, can I afford this? And if you can't, you've got to start learning. You got to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice to still get the best machine that you can get. And I'll promise you, unless your budget's unlimited, I promise you the one you want will be outside of your budget. And if it's just a little bit outside your budget, 
just get it. Just do that and know that's the machine you're going to you're going to want because if you don't and I don't know, I I did a I read an article one time and it was like it was a very high percentage. It was like 75% of new CNC op owners, the, the entry level market within a year they're ready within less than a year they're already ready to upgrade their machine to something bigger something better because they realized they didn't get what they wanted yeah and so that's my encouragement to all people that i talk to at at work is don't just look at the budget if you just look at budget just just don't even bother you don't even want to get into cnc because that's gonna that's gonna deter you from buying the machine you need versus the machine you want and so or the machine you can that. afford i always looked uh my dad but chris knows him um always had a rule that if you're going to buy stereo equipment whatever you really want to buy just remember you're adding the cost of the cheaper one you settled for to the initial one that you really wanted so it's going to cost more if you don't get the one you wanted up front and then settle for something only to have to buy the one you wanted later yeah yeah uh, shop saber has a good uh their tagline is buy your second machine first so that's, that's a good idea basically what it is and and they build a solid machine i oh, mean I, I i honestly because i'm not much i don't i didn't want a kit i knew i was willing to buy a kit if i could get the one i wanted cheap enough but i really preferred one that was that was well built made out of good steel frame tube steel or, or you know something heavy and shop saber i looked real hard at at the shop saber line and as a matter of fact when i was working for that other company where i was peddling the router bits uh we had actually gone up there and visited them and was in were in talks with them about getting our bits packaged with their machines um it never panned out cuz there was some other things that they, they wanted that there was no way we they, we would be able to do but anyway so um, i was very that's when i first saw their machines and i was like "Ooh, i like that so yeah i would say they're one of the top top line industrial like uh affordable machines it's so-called affordable depending on your budget but there's two hundred and fifty thousand dollar machines out there but i would say shop saber is a affordable industrial grade one yeah, and, and their 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 lower end model, I think, was at um, like sixteen to twenty four thousand, something twenty four thousand, something like that, for that smaller machine. So they're they're a little more up there. Um, but I I for for what I'm using mine for, I am so I'm super happy with my Axiom. I really like the the build quality and the technical, and so I'm happy. I'm gonna that's oh, okay, there you go. He's the one who invited me to Hawaii. Thank uh, you, Then I'm glad you because in my course in the middle. <laughs> I'm thinking that looks Hawaiian, but I knew I knew you were gonna have trouble with that one. Yeah, I was like, how do I just say? Uh, so K Wong says. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we we have someone in the chat line who said, "I'm fortunate <laughs> I was." <laughs> I'm fortunate I was able to buy a very good machine five years ago, as I would have had to buy an upgrade if I did not. Hmm can attest to that i've seen his machine he's got uh the freedom the freedom machine uh oh, who makes that I forget who makes it but it's a uh, freedom freedom line machine four by eight he's got the tool changer vacuum table real nice machine 
And when you got to ship it over on a boat, you might as well get what you want. Yeah, exactly. Got to pay those fees. Hmm. And there's some decent uh, other other manufacturers that are sort of in that right around the 10K mark. Was it Cam Master? Um, there's a few others that you can you can if you're willing to spend 10 grand, you can get a good machine with some good accessories. So, and one more, uh, one more important thing I would note is customer service with the yeah. machine too. That's another important thing. Absolutely. Having that support after the fact was always good. Thanks, Kiana. Yep. He says that Cal has been invaluable since he met him and uh, Lonnie Kai Craftsman on Instagram. Yeah, go hmm. follow him. He's, he does really good work. Guillermo says, two years ago when I started into CNC world, I decided after a lot of research, buy a shop saver. And I'm really happy with it. I haven't had a single problem and I use it five days a week. So see, nice. that's, I think also customer testimonials, when you go out there, start looking at just groups, you know, that are talking CNC, what they own, what they have. For instance, learn your CNC at facebook.com. You can check that one out. Um, but I think it's helpful to find CNC groups uh, that would fit your your means of social media intake, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good CNC groups out there. And actually, on my website, I have a resource for recommended C uh, CNC groups. So there's a lot of good ones in there. It's in my uh, learning center. There's a recommended facebook group page yeah i found out there's like a ton of stuff that's not you have to sign up for chris was telling me oh there's this there's these these areas for the students that you cannot access as a regular off the street person yeah basically the course the live training and the master course uh, a membership option do you want to talk about that real quick the course yeah absolutely sure it's uh Basically, if you want to get into into Vetric and you're struggling learning it, I have two different course options or both. I have this master course here that he's looking at now. And that's basically runs down how to use all the tools within Vetric and how to imp, imp, implement them into your project. And then I also offer a live training that's more focused on a student's project. So student will send me a project in. And then we'll gather together in a group and in a live training. And for an hour, we'll sit there and together in a group and, and go over the project, answer any questions anybody has. And then after the live training is over, I put it in a replay, include the file if it's available, and uh, members of the group can watch the replays as many times as they want to uh, refresh their memory on anything they missed. That's awesome. So package one. You get the private Facebook group. You get lifetime access. Yes. That's it's huge. That's for the master course, uh, master not, course, not right. the live training. Right. Um, and then you get free project files for it. And then package two is the first package with the live training. So you still get the lifetime. Yeah. You get that for a year, the, the weekly group coaching calls. And then... Uh, uh, for, I offer one-on-one -on -one training as well if anybody needs more personalized training. You get a free hour every month or? No, no, no. That's uh, one. one hour for that. And then also separate from all this, I offer the one-on-one -on -one training like by the hour if you need 
if you needed uh, extra help on a project. There's a lot you offer. I just grabbed the main bullet points there. I was yeah, to through it and I was like, wow, there's literally, there's so much on here. Um, and uh, just to tell everyone what the ridiculously low price is, because I know I've done this before for now. Yeah. It's if you, $97. Is that right? For the single package. For the yeah. The, the first the course. Yeah. And then 154, the live training and the first package yeah. altogether. So, um, considering that the software is anywhere between what, like 300 and 1200, somewhere in there, like it's. Depends. Uh, yeah. What you go gig. with V, uh, Aspire is going to be the most around two grand and then cut 2d desktop would be the least. I think that one's around what, 200, 200 bucks or something. So but if you were to also, buy those, you can get you, this, you cover all of that. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, that's right. You can do free trial on any one of those. Take the course with a free trial and decide if it's which one you want to go with before you buy the software. Tell you what, it's awesome. Uh, where's it at? And Chris, you've got, you've started it and you said you were in chapter four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I, when I got with Kyle, I had already been doing CNC for a little while and, um, Thanks, Kevin. and ended up, you know, chatting with him and, and, and started taking a look at the course. And, and I'll tell you if, there, there are a ton of free YouTube videos out there. And believe me, I've watched all of the YouTube instructors that are offering free, and they are all, most of them are pretty good. I mean, they're good. But the way Kyle breaks it down and the way he puts it into a format that is short, simple, and easy to learn, I would say for what minimal cost he has that set at, I would jump on that because he's got that, that course laid out very well. Most of the entry videos are, you know, 15 minutes long, some shorter, some longer, but they're, they're all right around that 10 to 15 mark. And, and the way he breaks down the, especially the beginners part of that, I haven't seen anybody else do that. And so it's no wonder he's kind of, jumping on the bandwagon and getting a lot of followers and a lot of subscribers and a lot of people taking the course. So if you're on the fence about it, act now while the price is low. I mean, that's like stupid low. Yeah. In a we good have, way. Yeah, we do have uh, over 600 students in there now, so that's pretty good. So do you know when your prices are going to go up just so we can get people to understand that this will not be the forever Yeah, price? right now, uh, New uh, Vetric version 11 came out, so I'm doing like an overhaul of the videos uh, to bring them up to date. And then once the videos are up to date, I'll probably be raising the price then. So that's even better. So as as an instructor, you're taking the new, the latest software, and then you're also taking your videos and updating them to match that. Yeah, that's that's also not yeah, that, to do that. That's included with the master course as well, free upgrade to, or like the lesson upgrades. So Kyle, I got to ask a quick question on that. Are, are there any concerns with any of your courses being on back order? Uh, I have to check inventory. <laughs> I mean, if they're all in stock, act now while supplies last. 
Luckily. with everything else being supply chain driven and being delayed and back ordered and not available for months or years at a time. Kyle's Learn Your CNC Master Course and Master Course Plus Group Training is available and in stock on the shelves ready to go today. I saw ahead of time and I stocked up before all this happened. That was really smart of you. Yeah. Getting that extra cloud storage. Uh, so the one person that... Thanks, uh, Donald. Yeah, thank you, Donald. <laughs> he said, uh, when you're good, you're good, and Kyle is good. So the one person we talked to... I paid to him to say that. <laughs> you, paid him, you paid him well. One free class for Donald Harding. <laughs> you get an extra hour of one-on-one. So J.P. Brown was on with us last week, and he we had this idea to to have you on because he's in this neighborhood of looking for CNC, what to look for, stuff like that. So it's kind of irony that he's late because the hospital network died and he had to fix it, which he had turned the power back on. I take it that it was uh, Windows based. <laughs> well, if you wouldn't have turned the power off to begin with, you wouldn't have had that problem. You didn't fall asleep on the job. Maybe that's when Chris cut out earlier. Could have mm-hmm. been. He tried to kill my feet. I see how it yeah. is. You realize that wasn't going to work. Well, you know, we didn't even talk about a lot of the other topics and we're already, you know, five minutes past our, our normal hour. So maybe we ought to try to see if we can't pay, pay Kyle some bonus money and bring him on another time to talk about, you know, the accessories that are available, like fourth axis and laser and things like that. And then talk about the bits that are available and what to look for in those. And I don't know, uh, software, software, key component to running any CNC. And uh, we recommend uh, Vectric uh, because that will drive you to Kyle to uh, want to learn more. And it's not just because Kyle does it. It's because it's one of the better softwares out there for the entry-level market. And and Chris has looked into a lot of them to try to figure out what he was going to use for himself as well as what we could use at the day job uh, to help everyone that was a beginner and someone who's never bought a CNC. You know, we, we were trying to, on our side of it, especially for Chris, is to offer a support system. And then when he found Learn Your CNC, it was like, well, this kind of takes care of all the stuff I was trying to find. So, yeah, so, really so nice. we're, we're, we're trying to uh, work with, we're trying to trying to figure out what we can do on a, from our day job, how we can partner up with Kyle in some way. And, you know, we'll, we'll still figure that out, but that's down the line. There you go. We're going to drive and drive business his way. I don't know how many people I've already driven your way, but we're going to, we're going to driven a lot. Keep keep going. That's that's kind of the way we're we're moving right now. So, well, we got to do it. I Appreciate think it. Chris knows that we try to keep a community going with people who are out there like Kyle, who are trying to do something for themselves, and at the same time have such a great product. We just didn't see people out there getting enough attention to that product. So, um, what was I going to say? Do you want to join us again, Kyle? Sure. Go for a uh, part two, which would be accessories and bits, because I was interested in bits, but. Chris didn't want to talk about bits. He wanted to talk about stepper. Cut you off right there. I know. He was just Whoa. like, no, there's still stepper <laughs> motors and all kinds of other stuff. We gotta we gotta finish the machines. I mean, that's like that's like starting to talk about stain and in the middle of it, you want to go talk about you know, top coats. I was excited. Okay. So now I know what my my gantry stuff is. I know I want water cool spindles. I just want to get right to the bit. I wasn't thinking about, you know, rigidity. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're in the middle of talking about pigment-based dyes, and you're getting ready to lean into to uh, our pigment-based stains, and you're getting wanting to, and you're wanting to move into dyes, and then we change the subject to top coats. I mean, uh, you can't I'm do that. I'm so glad you learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm checking out Kyle's page. Mike drove me there. Well, it wasn't just me; it was also this fantastic banner we have of LearnYourCNC.com. 
And hey, JP, while you're out there driving, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash podcast <laughs> and uh, put a few, uh, you know, buy Chris a beer. He needs some cheer wine. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 we, we got to spend some time with Kyle last year. So, uh, you know, live in a similar sort of setting at our, at our show that we do at, for our day jobs. And um, I had already been communicating with him, you know, and had joined his Facebook group and um, so I, I, I can just, just knowing what I know of the guy, you know, he's, he's put his heart and soul into, to that course and is, is willing to, to open himself up to, to that abuse every uh, Thursday at five for, for, if you're interested in that. And, and, um, those who are already in the group that have joined the chat, you know, we do appreciate you coming over here and talking to us and hanging out with us. We realize it was just for Kyle, but that's okay. We appreciate your time anyway. Kyle's worth it. Yeah, he is. I don't know what that means. How about no Scott? Thank you, Matt, for the Patreon. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> I thought he meant to say, how about no scotch? Yeah. Oh, well, so yeah, Kevin has a good point. Seven Eastern now. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that because I noticed that on the website, it had your next live and it was going to be 7 p.m. And I'm like, I remember Chris always complaining that it's at five and he can't make it in time. Yeah. He kept complaining. So I had to change it. <laughs> oh, good. Good. See, the squeaky <laughs> wheel gets the grease. All right. No, we, we had a, we had a vote community vote on the, on the time. Uh, cause actually it was last week it was one year. I've been doing the training, the the live part of the training. So. I figured as a one-year anniversary, might as well get some feedback from the students and see if they want to change the time. So we did a vote, and it was neck and neck for a while, and then we ended up switching to seven. Cool. Man, so I guess, uh, you know, your your students in Hawaii, that's like, uh, oh, well, it's time for breakfast. Oh, let me turn Kyle on. Only <laughs> <laughs> 1 p.m. No, bro, that'll be okay. Uh, so Darren says he purchased Kyle's course. Excellent. Having learned an amazing amount of Vetric software, went through the entire course cover to cover worth it. Thank you. Well, way to put me down. I'm on chapter four. Thanks a lot. You've only, you know, had it. Uh, for sorry work. about that, Rick. Yeah, Rick. He's. All right. Now I got to switch it back to five. How about just make it six? Everyone's happy. Nobody wanted six. I tried six. Really? Yeah. It was seven or five. Five or tell, seven, that's it. Tell them, Kyle, that's what the replay's for. Exactly. There you go. Leave your questions and comments in the chat line. I'll just do it a random time every every week. There you go. Between five and seven, you'll just pop on. <laughs> you you can borrow our uh, Wheel of Misfortune, and we'll just change all the misfortune there parts to, to times, and then just go with it. Or maybe oh. I'll have a five to eight p.m. class. Just jump in at any time. There you go. Wow. I don't think we'll be doing 11 p.m. <laughs> but, wow. okay. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for watching, hanging out with us tonight. Uh, appreciate everyone who came over from LearnYourCNC.com, from Kyle's groups, to uh, watch us. We appreciate you joining us. Before uh, we go, I just want to yeah. say I started doing free free Vetric tips on my YouTube channel every Friday. So, you want to check those out. Oh, that's cool. What's your YouTube channel? Just Learn Your CNC? Yep. And your CNC on YouTube. And then if you want some free tips, uh, every Friday I'm posting a new one. And uh, go ahead and tell us what, what the Facebook group name is so everybody knows that too that doesn't already. Oh, I have two groups. Uh, so I have the CNC File Help and Support. That's for basic support with 
all different softwares. And then if you want just a tip, like I just mentioned for Vetric, I have a new group called Vetric Tips and Tricks. Um, you can check that, that out as well. Learn your CNC, the Facebook.com, learn your CNC. That is the page. That's my business page. Type okay. Of, yeah. And that should have all the links to the groups and everything tied to that as well, right? Yeah. Yep. There you go. And you have a new subscriber on your Learn Your CNC at YouTube. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's see what else we got before we go. Mahalo. Yep. Thank you for joining us. Kevin says, thanks, guys. Enjoy this. Subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank Rick you. That he's subscribed as well. Okay. Thank you. We're going to swap some subscribers here. Yeah. It's all about the community base, exactly. right? And we've been wanting to, ah, sorry. Not going to say it, Chris. I'm not going to say it. Are you petting your cat again? <laughs> Except for I wasn't paying enough attention, obviously, and it clawed me, but that's fine. Yeah, that's how this works. Oh, there's no way around that without a sound like it's in the gutter. I just now realized. So on that note, hey, thanks for joining. <laughs> We'd say at 9 p.m. I am Mike Z. I'm Chris. I'm Kyle. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night and enjoy the rest of your week. See you next time. And then we.